You're listening to the Writers Forum. I'm your host, Mike Tusa, and today I'll be interviewing Garnett Kilberg Cohen about her new collection of short stories titled Cravings. Garnett's writing has appeared in The New Yorker Online, Rumpus, The Gettysburg Review, and several other publications, and she's also received numerous awards for her writing, including from the Illinois Art Council. She was, until very recently, a teacher of creating writing at Columbia College in Chicago. Cravings is her fourth collection of short stories. Welcome to the show, Garnett. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, let me start with a few questions about your writing process. Um, Now, I've learned over time there are outliners and there are what some people call pantsers, you know, fly by the seat of your pants. Uh (laughs) Which is it that you do? Um, I am one who I do not outline ever. Sometimes I outline if I'm writing nonfiction Mm -hmm. and sometimes if I'm halfway into a story. I begin to get a better sense of what's happening. Then I begin to outline the end of the story. But most of the time, I feel it's more authentic to have an idea and general sense of where you're going, but not completely know. And it just feels more authentic. I do... Uh, I quote this often, Flannery O'Connor, if you've read her work, uh, No Good Country People, there's a line in that or there's a scene in that where a Bible salesman steals the wooden leg of a woman Uh and Flannery O'Connor, and that's the key to the story, Flannery O'Connor swears she didn't know he was going to steal the leg until he took it. (laughs) Well, that's going to bring me to another question a little bit later on. But let me ask you this, and it may vary. When you're getting ready to write a short story, do you sometimes start with a character idea or do you think you sometimes start with a story idea? Sometimes it's a character idea. Sometimes it's a story idea. Sometimes it's an image. I was giving a reading at a bookstore last night, and I read from a story in the book called Maternal Instinct. And that story, I'd heard a news report, and maybe you've heard this news report, too, about a little boy who fell in a gorilla pit in the zoo. Yeah. And that's all I knew about it. And I thought, wow, what would it be like to be that boy and how would it affect his life? So I started with just that Mm -hmm. and developed the whole story without knowing what any of the factual stuff um, was, but by pretending I was seeing things through the boy's eyes. Ah, well, let me ask you one other question about that before we turn to cravings and the things, these stories that are in it. Um, When and where do you write? I mean, you were teaching for many years. Are you, I've had authors tell me that they get up at two in the morning and write, and others that do it late at night. And, and I can't, Kruger, I remember saying he, he always goes to the same coffee shop. What's your approach on that? You know, um, I wish I was ambitious enough to get up early in the morning, or maybe I'm just a night person. I write more at night than I do in the morning. But because I was a very young mom when I started writing, 
um, I found that I just have to write whenever I have the time, wherever I am. I mean, for a long time, I was, when my son was very young, I was a waitress. And sometimes if there was a lull, I'd write on cocktail napkins <laughs> at the bar. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So there, it, it really... I mean, that was a long time ago. I love to write on an airplane. Um, I love to write at a window where okay. I can see outside. But, you know, I also write at night at the kitchen counter. Yeah. Do you? I, I remember Bukowski saying he wrote every day and then threw away three quarters of what he wrote. Do you write every day? <laughs> do you Pardon? write? That's all right. Do you write every day? I do not write every day. But if I don't. If I go for too long without writing, I start to feel a little bit nuts. So I can't go too long. And right now I've been doing promotion for this book. So that has been taking up most of my time. So I'm thinking, gosh, I really need to get back to writing. Yeah. Um, and uh, this this weekend, I'll be able to get back to writing a little bit. But Good. I do not write every day. But sometimes I write... I just once I start writing, I can't stop. So sure. I might write well into the night or okay. it's right. kind of compulsive once yeah. Yeah. once the idea gets going. All right. So Cravings is your fourth collection of short stories. What is it about short stories that makes you prefer that genre? Well, there's a couple things. One thing um, that I love about short stories is they're compression and intensity. Um, I just think they are so intense and you can read a novel and, you know, you go, you start the novel and then you go to sleep and the next night when you go to bed, you read a little more and you do that for three days to a week. And it's not as intense an experience because of the time factor um, I just think, uh, you know, Edgar Allan Poe said that what defined a short story was you could read it in one sitting. And I really like that concept that someone can sit down and read it in one sitting and hmm. feel feel the change in the character, the change in the mood, um, all in the half hour to two hours that they're reading it. That's interesting. Well, do you ever, here's a, a kind of an odd question maybe, but do you ever use the same character in different stories? I mean, you have four different sets of short stories. Does anybody ever appear in more than one story? Yes. In my, I think it's my second collection. Uh -huh. um, I'm How We Move the Air is the title of that. It's called, it's a link collection. And the characters reappear from story to story. Now, each of the stories in that collection can stand alone. Um, and most of them were published in magazines before in a book. But um, it's just really interesting to me, too, because the way we know about people's lives is episodic it's yeah. not like i get the whole story of your life from beginning to end with the with the climax in the middle and then the end we you know things happen moments are very some moments and time periods are very important and some people are very important for a time period and then less so 
Yeah. All right. So, again, let's talk about cravings. There are 12 stories here, okay? Um, you, you start with a story called hors d'oeuvres, and you end with a story called feast. I, I'm curious. Many of these stories, as I, as I read a little background information, appeared individually in other magazines. Yes. How do you go about deciding, though, which order to put them in when you put the collection together? You know, I worked very hard on that. And when I submitted this manuscript to the publisher for consideration, they were not in the order they are in now. Um, Some of the stories were written. Oh, one story got was written just right before the book got accepted, Slow Dance. Mm -hmm. And there were other stories that had been written and published 10 years before. And what I did was I started playing with the idea of what themes go through all the short stories and um, how could I shape these so that it highlights the themes or the theme without it seem repetitive and boring. And so I spent a long time trying to order them and, um, and, I haven't done that with my other books. With my other books, the way that they were, I sent in the publisher, they just got published. But I felt that the theme of this book needed to be highlighted in some way. That's interesting. I I had an author one time on short stories say that um, she viewed the the order that she put them in, in the same, she was also a musician, in the same way that she put her songs together in an album. And I always thought that was an interesting analogy uh, to use. But that's a great way to describe it, the way you've described it. All right. In the, in the Cravings collection, there are several characters that I found interesting. Cassie in Hors d'oeuvres and Harvard uh-huh. in the story of Ogden, uh, Sherry um, in the same story, and then Mary in the, in the story Noir. Um, each of these characters has a quirk or an idiosyncrasy, or maybe we'd say they're vulnerable. How hard is it or easy is it to write about such characters? And do you find them more interesting than, you know, the so-called perfect character that does everything right and lives everything the right way? Always more interesting than the perfect character. Uh, People with quirks and problems always fascinate me more both in fiction and in real life of course in real life i don't want them to have too many problems or then that gets hard work to be their friend but um no they uh, it, it totally interests me and uh uh marion noir mm-hmm. i she is totally fictional i completely made her up cassie in hors d'oeuvres I started out based um, based on me, how I was as a kid, uh-huh. but then it quickly became fictional and the tragedy that occurs in the story and right. stuff did not happen in my life. Um, it turned to fiction, but I started out remembering how much I loved and craved olives as a kid. That's right, how it started. Right. Okay. All right. Well, in the story, Slow Dance... I was struck by the idea that you set out that we, you know, we develop rituals in relationships. I think everybody probably knows that. But then the, the, the idea that we carry them over into our next relationship was a bit interesting to me. Am I reading too much into that? Well, you know, I hadn't actually thought of it that the way you just stated it. Uh-huh. But that is, that's really interesting. And I think... 
think you're right, but I did not plan that or think of it in the way that you just said that. Well, it, you know, good writing has universal themes, and I think that's, that's one that will catch people's eye. Let me ask you this, following up on that. Writers will often say to me that they'll get a comment from a friend or a family member or even somebody they don't know about something they got out of a story, and the writer will say, that was not on my radar. I didn't even, hadn't even thought of that. Have you had that happen with your writings? I have had that happen, and that can be sort of an interesting psychological question. <laughs> like, oh, I see, I see that I have an obsession with that, or I see this. Um, but I have had that happen. And I've had people bring up things that um, I didn't even... Re you know, I didn't even remember happened in a story. Yeah. It wasn't really that conscious of it. Um, and so um, so that's that's interesting. That's a that's a good question. Well, and yeah, let's go back to slow dance again. Um, you know, it struck me, too, that you're raising a question. And again, you can tell me if I'm reading too much into this. You know, not only do we carry over the rituals, but we have to decide, I guess, what we do with the lies or the sins, whatever we want to call them, that we carry with us from one relationship to the next, right? Right. That that you're not reading too much into. And I think, and I also, I've thought a lot about that because I've thought, you can't tell somebody everything about you. Um, and some thoughts are private and need to remain private. But when does it become withholding and not revealing your true self? And uh, where is the line there? When are you um, when are you being your authentic self and when are you holding so much back uh, yeah. that you're not? Yeah. So it's a, it's a great, I, I mean, I know I thought about it, and of course, I think people will too when they read it. If they're reflective, they'll think back about their own relationships and wonder how they handled that question. Um, in the story, Noir, okay, I, I, sorry, I had, to, I had to laugh out loud at the beginning of the story. Where did the idea come from to have the wife give her husband a note to sign that sounds like a suicide note? <laughs> you know? I, you know, I probably after you and I stopped talking an hour later, I remember where that idea came from. Uh -huh. um, but I'm not I'm not sure where that idea came from. I have to admit, I do watch. I don't read much true crime, but I watch true crime on television. And often when a spouse murders a spouse, there's something they try and make it look like suicide. Yeah. And there's some kind of note they have and that it's supposed to be a suicide note. And I often think, ah, that doesn't look like a suicide note to me. Um, so that may be where it came from. But I'm not completely sure. I'm glad you laughed out loud, though. <laughs> well, it's very clever. It's very clever. And, it, you know, it does raise that question, I guess, where do your ideas come from? Sometimes authors will tell me that they read a lot, and sometimes they get ideas from reading. In your case, can you isolate one or two things that you say, you know, I get a lot of my ideas from this or that? I, you know, that's crucial. Anyone who wants to write 
better be reading a lot because and that sparks things it's not like you take the ideas of the person you're right reading um, but it sparks something you remember something from a sentence or a turn of phrase or something but i know where most of most of the ideas in the stories originated i don't know about the suicide note, <laughs> but I do know that there's a sh- very short story in there called Jump. Right. And I saw a photograph of some girls jumping rope, little girls in what looked like an industrial cor- corridor, and the, the rope was just a blur. And I kind of thought, I wonder who those little girls are. And I thought, I bet I could make some kind of story about that. Some things start with something in my real life, like the one where in the first story, hors d'oeuvres, where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love olives and it it started with that so it's different things i mean the last story in the book which might be my favorite story i know we aren't supposed to have favorites but it's called feast that i think is completely from my imagination and all i heard about was i heard about a contemporary couple that was uh, had a, a polyamorous relationship. Yeah, and they were very—they weren't Mormons or anything. And um, I thought, what's it like to be in the contemporary world? And um, and that story—it's uh, one of my favorites because it's because I was surprised every time something happened. I was a little bit surprised. Okay. Well, all right. Let's one, one more question about Noera that I, I know struck me as well because it's such, it's such a beautiful story. But besides me laughing at the beginning, the story also raises the question of how a child's illness can change and challenge, really, all the relationships in a family. Is that, oh, yes. some, is that something you have had some experience with? I've witnessed it okay. in friends' families. I haven't personally had that but I can think of right off uh, the top of my head um, three people who had uh, children with serious problems mm-hmm. um, where it did affect their re- affect their yeah. relationship. And, you know, it changes the family dynamic. Yeah. Um, and in this, fa- the families I'm thinking of, there were all more than one child in those families. In this family, there was just the one in Noir, there was just one child, so it changed the dynamic of their relationship. But it can change the dynamic of how siblings interact and how parents interact with the other children yeah. who aren't facing the same difficulties. Yeah, and again, I think it's it's one of the nice beauties of all your stories. This is a universal theme. I mean, you don't even have to have kids to be able to relate uh, to the story and to the issues that it raises, you know. Now, you mentioned the story Jump, and I had a question about that one, too. I felt like you used the jump rope that the two girls use as kind of a metaphor for friendship and, you know, maybe ultimate disintegration. Is that you think yes. that's accurate as that's well? That's exactly right. That oh. that's exactly what the jump rope was. So it was a metaphor for, it was a metaphor for the way the two girls were connected, and um, the blurring, kind of metaphorically disintegrated the relationship. Even though it was this 
kind of shady guy coming along that really destroyed the relationship. You know, what I, what struck me also about this particular story, Jump, is and maybe because of the jump rope, it was a story that I immediately visualized um, because, it, I, I, because of the jump rope, right, which we've all seen. And done. so it right, was one that, right. that hit me on a visual uh-huh. level as well. Um, all right. So let me ask you this. What is it that you think, because you talked about putting the order of the book, the uh, short stories together, if you, in a couple of words, what do you think binds the 12 stories together? I do think that every person and, well, almost every uh, main character and almost every story wants something that is just out of their reach. They can almost have it, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's what, or, or they blow it somehow. They okay. almost had it, but they blow it. Um, and and I think, you know, I think that's a big part of life. Yeah. Like, you know, reaching for something and whether you get it or don't get it. And if you get it, how long it lasts. So yeah. that was another title I thought of for the book. I was thinking of calling it just out of reach. Ah. Um, but uh, cravings, uh, I think, it gets more attention. It. Yeah, well, and it captures that idea. You know, it, the, maybe the unfulfilled idea. You know, you're craving something. You don't, can't quite get it. I, I think you capture it with that. Um, you were talking earlier about um, how, you know, stories will take a turn, you know, that you didn't expect. And I've, I've always asked novel writers about the role that characters play in developing stories. And they will say um, things like, you know, a good character actually helps write the story. I'm curious, mm-hmm. is that something you've experienced with short stories? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, the characters, when they become fully realized, they take you along in the story. They help, uh, they help carry the story. And I do like, people say, oh, short stories. It's about something that happened quickly. And sometimes it is about something that happened quickly. But I love, um, I love playing with time in short stories. Uh-huh. And you probably, since you clearly read the stories very carefully, very astutely, um, I love playing with something that happens and then flashing into the future to show how that affected a character or multiple characters' lives. Yeah. Well, it, again, it works, folks. If, if I'm going to tell you to pick up the book later, but it's, it works really well here. I have to give you an aside in that I had an author one time, and this almost sounds psychotic, but I think you'll understand it, <laughs> say that he'll be writing, and sometimes his characters will say, nope, I'm not going to do that. And he'll have to change it, right? Have, have you had situations where you thought a character was going to go in a particular direction, and then as the character you develop the character, they go in another direction? Yeah, that has happened. Um, not not quite as blatantly as right. the character telling me, "No, I'm not going right. to do that." And I, I I think it happens slightly more in revision. The character does it. And then it just doesn't feel right. right to me. It doesn't feel authentic. So yeah. I go back and and change what uh, the character does. But that just uh, um, more often yeah. I'm not thinking 
far enough in advance. So what the character does, the character kind of decides on his or her own. Right. Um, and I didn't really have a plan for the character. I like it when I have a plan for the character minutes before I write it. Ah. I don't like it when when uh, a plan doesn't come. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing well, comes and I have to kind of force it. Well, that's very organic. All right, so I'm going to end with two questions that may be tough questions, but I, I, I like to get them, and I know from the letters we get, folks are, are very curious about both of them. All right, so you create these characters. We talked about some of them in the various short stories that have... Uh, idiosyncrasies or whatever, and you put them in a circumstance that they that then has to be resolved. In do, right. in doing that, do you learn anything about yourself? Yes, I do learn things about myself. I learn things about, uh, um, but I, it's kind. Of, it, you're right. It's a hard question um, because I'd have to really focus on each story. I mean, you talked about slow dance. Uh huh. I learned, I did think about what, why do I not share certain things mm -hmm. and why, you know, why am I very upfront about some things and why do I keep some things in my head, even though in a way I know it wouldn't hurt anything or affect anything, but I just don't want to say it. So, yeah, I have learned things about myself when, um, when I write the stories, I mean, they're always an exploration, even if you have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. They are always an exploration. Yeah, I, this is, again, going to be one of those songs that sounds far out, but maybe you'll, you'll appreciate it. I have had a writer tell me, she said, a novel writer, that some of mm -hmm. her characters help her work out her own issues. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Well, you, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I, I don't think I've ever worked out an issue, right. but I've become more aware of something. Yeah, yeah. So I guess in a way I work it out because once you start thinking about, eh, do I do that or should I do that, then I guess you are working it out. All right. So here's my final question, unfortunately, because we're going to run out of time. You know, I've had folks on the show that um, to talk about book banning and different groups that have been involved. And, you know, unfortunately, we have this time that we're living in it. And some authors will, when I did the show on book banning, said, hey, I, you know, I don't want to be on that show because I'm going to get a bunch of bad reviews. Are there any topics when you're writing a short story that you say, you know what, I'm just going to stay away from this topic? There are topics that I will stay away for from not for politically correct reasons or not because I don't uh, think, but just because they feel like they might be too painful for me. Oh, okay. But in terms of book banning, mm -hmm. and when you're talking about topics that, oh, uh, most of the book banners aren't people who are, uh, too politically correct. There right. are people at the opposite end of the spectrum who, you know, don't want to have sex or don't want to have certain things about race. And I've, I, ha I haven't done that. One thing I don't do is I don't usually write from the point of view of a, I write from the point of view of a man, a woman, a child, an right. old person, but I don't usually write from the perspective 
of someone significantly different from me culturally or ethnically just because I feel that's kind of appropriation. Um, But I feel anybody should be allowed to try and write what they want to write. But in my personal feelings, that feels like appropriation. Okay. Yeah. You know, my view is we can't destroy vicarious knowledge. So, you know, I don't have a particular problem with it, but I understand it. Well, folks, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to the Writers Forum, and I've been lucky to speak with author Garnett Kilberg-Cohen about her new short story collection, Cravings. It's a good one. You should pick it up. Garnett, is there a social media site that folks can go to in order to learn more about the book and about your other writings? I have um, I have a website. It's Garnet, G-A-R-N-E-T-T, two T's, Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, author.com. And it lists other books. It also has some samples of writing that I've published in other places. Along with writing fiction, I write a lot of essays. And I had one that was in The New Yorker. Um, and that's on the website. And you can find out about how to purchase my other books on the website as okay. well. Great, great. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Well, thank you. You were a delight to talk to you. I mean, that you read the stories so carefully and have so much uh, uh, wisdom about them. Oh, that ver- was <laughs> just a delight. You're very kind. Folks, music for the show was provided by Valerie Hunt Jester, and the show is produced by our very own Del Agnew. Tune in next Tuesday at 4 p.m. and Wednesday at 5.30 a.m. for the next segment of the Writers' Forum.